Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very, 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 very best friends, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. How are you guys doing? Um, a little offended there wasn't another very in there. Yeah, so well, other than that, so I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm good. I'm fantastic. I'm drinking out of my Stryday mug, which is for Spencer Strider of the uh, <laughs> NL East award-winning uh, Atlanta Braves. Go Braves. Yes, Go Braves. absolutely. Yes. That has nothing to do with the subject of this. Wins yeah, last night. Nothing yeah. to do with the subject of this podcast, but you got to mm-hmm. say what you got to say. You got to say what you got to say. We're in <laughs> postseason baseball, or almost there anyway, so that's fun. Um, and we, uh, so we're, we're doing a little something different. Um, we um, are. This is a special episode, um, as our listeners real uh, know. We uh, have been going through the Faith Once Delivered document um, from the John Wesley Institute, but we're going to take a little bit of a break from that today. And we have um, our uh, longtime guest. I, I don't. I don't even know how to say this. He's our most appeared guest, guest. in residence. Guest in residence. I don't know. That's just what I had. The highest Doctor. compensated guest from our, <laughs> the one we give the <laughs> biggest compensation That's to. True. Um, uh, Dr. Brian Russell. He's a professor of biblical studies. Is that correct? Professor of biblical studies um, at Asbury Seminary. And uh, it's good to have you back on. No, it's always great to be here. And you guys do. I am the highly, highest compensated because you've given me multiple times the gift of your time and friendship. Boom. And I'm grateful there for it. You go. Oh! There it is. There oh, it I is. do love it. I do love it. I also yes. want to uh, lift up real quick uh, Brian and Deep Dive Spirituality, in, uh, which he does uh, just wonderful spiritual formation um, and uh, coaching consulting groups for people. Um, and you can find all of that. He can tell us where soon. Deep Dive Spirituality on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and elsewhere, YouTube. And, and, so. and you know what? You know what we'll do, Jim, is we'll put that in our, um, you know, the show, show notes. Show notes. Yes, exactly right. So, and, and I am um, not on Facebook, but I am almost everywhere else. So, yeah. Okay. Not, yes. No Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> um, so for no good uh, reason there, but I'm yeah. just not on Facebook. <laughs> well, yeah. look, how many it's, things can we actually manage at one time? You know what I yes. mean? Well, that's Amen. true. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, last time, uh, and we can call you Brian. You good with that? Yes, please. Yes. All right. Last. Time, Brian, you were on uh, the the program. Uh, you had just written a book on prayer, particularly centering prayer. And um, I know for us three, and for many people I've talked to, that has been a very helpful book. If for no other reason, reason, reengaging conversations about prayer and our prayer life, um, and growing deeper in our prayer. So, uh, but you've got a new book out, um, "Astonished by the Word: Reading Scripture for Deep Transformation," mm-hmm. and this this book just dropped what like a month ago, two months ago, something like that. Yeah, on August fifteenth. So it's been out uh, almost uh, two months now. Awesome, awesome. So tell us a little bit, like, why why this book? You you I know you're. You're uh, professionally, you're a biblical studies guy. You um, Old Testament, right? It's kind of that's your that's your um, wheelhouse. Um, but you did you did a kind of a I won't say breakaway, but you you went into kind of some uncharted territory for you with the prayer thing, centering prayer, and now you're back to this. Uh, what 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 brought you to this uh, book? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this book it's it's kind of a I think at this point I'm 54, so I won't say it's my mature reflection, but it's getting there at least. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking back over my uh, my my uh, 
long engagement with scripture. I came to faith reading the Bible. I just, I prayed, Lord, if you're real, reveal yourself to me in your word back when I was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. So this has been a thir almost, well, 39 years of, of reading scripture. Again, it's, it's made um, my career. I got to end up getting a PhD in biblical studies. I've had the privilege of, of teaching. This is going to be 24 years in a row at Asbury, and I did wow. do two years before my PhD. So this is actually my 26th year of teaching at the at the seminary. Uh, it's, I love preaching. I've loved writing. And I wanted to come back uh, to essentially my, my sweet spot, which is scripture. But I've come back with a little bit different angle as, you know, as we were mm -hmm. chatting before we started recording. At some level, this captures some of my long-term thinking on the Bible around authority. Mm -hmm. But what this represents in, in you know, my earlier books, Realign with God, and then the more popular invitation, I did this whole missional reading of the Bible, which, uh, which is still my a preferred way of reading scripture. But when I went through kind of my whole dark night of the soul and struggles personally there, that's, it's again, thank goodness it's been 13 years since all mm -hmm. that stuff started. Uh, and I talked about this on several podcasts right. with you previously, yeah. where we yep. talked about Absolutely. centering prayer and just right. dealing with my um, inner wounds and, and things. I've come back now to the scripture um, really through the lens of this contemplative spiritual practices where, again, sitting in silence, I've seen enough of my own junk to make me raise, kind of raises the question, um, okay, I can, we can, I can read scripture all that I want to, and I have for 39 years, but the, the question I tried to explore is, okay, I read the Bible, I believe it's authoritative, but do I really let the scriptures read me? Mm -hmm. Am I really willing to go there, not just in the places where it's easy to take in the scripture, you know, like if you've ever been in my Old Testament classes, I always joke, my favorite book uh, verse in the Bible is don't boil a baby goat in its mother's milk, <laughs> yeah. uh, pr precisely because I've never even been tempted to do that. So I feel really <laughs> good know, about that one. Right? You have 100% success rate in following that verse. 100%. Yeah. And I'm and I'm 100% confident that yeah. I'm going to be good. But, yeah. but you know, and yeah. I, I say that as a joke on the real side, because a lot of times we read the Bible precisely like that. Yeah, it's the pieces that you know that oh, that somebody else needs to hear this passage. Right. Well, I've tried to use this book to kind of flip it backwards to yes. challenge what lenses, obstacles, blind spots uh, do I have? Where if I was a little more willing to surrender in to what God really wants to do in my life, and as you know, as Methodists, we're talking about holiness now mm -hmm. at some level. Um, Am I am I just willing to allow the text to get at me? You know, this really it's God get at me through the text with the power mm -hmm. of the Spirit. Yes, to do that work in me, so that then the text doesn't become well anything other than a vehicle that God can use to grow me in love for ultimately for God first, mm -hmm. and then also extend that love to other people. And so I, mm -hmm. what what really made the book was I I was reading a. Augustine's little book on reading scripture called it's either on Christian doctrine or on Christian teaching, depending on the translation. But it, it's the, it's the, I start the text with that, but it's a little, it's a verse that he just says, if anyone thinks he's understood the divine scriptures or any part of them, but cannot by his understanding build up this double love of God and neighbor, mm -hmm. has not yet succeeded in understanding them. Mm -hmm. So I thought, mm -hmm. okay, let's use that as this frame. 
and let's write a book about scripture that talks about how do we actually do that, which means you have yes. to explore the possibility that we do the opposite, which is we really don't love God. We really don't love our neighbor. Um, mm, and that's, yeah. and those, that's, you know, it's not the most pleasant thing to do, but it's, it's good for the soul. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things. Uh, um, you would, we go in maturity sometimes right off the bat where they don't feel good, but they are good. Um, so the the subtitle and really the trajectory of this book is, is I just think so wonderful. It's uh, what reading the Bible for deep transformation. Yeah. Um, reading scripture for deep transformation. I, I found this to be a case when I was a young Christian and I found myself falling into it as a pastor and discipler of people. It's like, what do you do? Read the Bible. You know, I want to grow closer to God. Read the Bible. Okay, good. I'm doing that. And then what I realized along the way is like, we're making a lot of promises to people and they are right promises, right? Like reading the Bible will change your life. God will change your life through reading the Bible, right? But you you, you almost are saying, um, here's a bat, go play major league baseball. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's it's the what and how, how, is there not a particular way to do that? Is there some, are there tools? Are there, are there ways in which we can help guide people along more incrementally to that. And that's why I think not only is this book great on, you know, hey, here's some of the nature of scripture and some and some stuff, but it's super accessible and practical. Yes. A line I want to lift up that uh, I think, see if you could tell me more about, and I think this, you've talked about this before in other texts too, is what do you, what do you say is the primary reason for reading scripture? It's conversion, right? Yes. And what do you mean by that? Because I'm converted. I'm a Christian. I'm setting you up, right? Yeah, well, what I mean is the Bible always wants something in us and through us. And so, it's uh, it's a matter of, if again, if you think of conversion as a one-time thing, then that line doesn't make sense. Right. But uh, but the whole point is, of Scripture, is it's, it's an ongoing, continual, my old word, realigning. You know, so, you, there's a moment in time when a person aligns says, you know, receives Christ, crosses that line of faith. But then if you just stay there, you know, Jesus is always going into the world on mission. And so, if you stay static, you know, Jesus is getting further and further from you. And so, the, the, the goal of the Christian life is just what Jesus says in like Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and it really should say continually follow me. Mm. And so that's what I mean by the goal of scripture is conversion and ongoing growth and grace and transformation. And the, the other metaphor I like to use is the ocean. You know, if, if you're going to the ocean, you know, you could just stick your toes in or you can just keep going. And I believe for all eternity, God is going to be perfecting us in love. And because God's love is infinite, that journey never ends for us. So it's really an ongoing conversion into the love of God and neighbors, what I would say. Mm. I just think that's great because that's, isn't that what people really want? That's what we want for people too. That's fantastic. It is what we really want because that's, it's, you know, if, if you think about what purpose ultimately is, a purpose is having a, a mission, you know, something significant bigger than yourself, which God invites us to be part <laughs> of, but it also, um, you don't just need a purpose. You also need to have a sense of growth. And so you put those two things together. I mean, and that the good news is, I mean, our, our whole movement captures that. Yeah. 
So Brian, who who would you say this book is intended for? Like who, when you wrote this, who are you who are you thinking about or uh would yeah, who 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 who's this book for? Well this well this is kind of funny. It's like um I wrote this book for myself because I needed every mm-hmm. word that I wrote. Well, that's, yes. that's, so, and, and that's the every honest, sermon I've ever preached. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you know, and so, I, I, and I'm honestly say that I made myself a promise, and the first book that came out of this promise was Centering Prayer. And this is nothing against my old books either, but I decided I was never going to publish another book that at significant moments in there, it didn't make me weep. And I didn't feel like I bled when I wrote it because I wanted Mm. just to go there. And so um, this book, again, now it's, I wrote it for myself. Obviously I hope people read it too, but I, you know, and I will say this, this is what surprises folks. I am a professor of Bible. I do have a PhD, all, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, I, I've tried to adapt and adopt a writing style. And I've, I think it's, it's comes out in this book from the feedback that I've gotten. That's it's, it's accessible to anybody that, you know, it's basically written at about a ninth grade level. I've kind of got it checked with Mm -hmm. filters and stuff. And so I tried to write a book where I translate my best thinking over the last 30 years into an accessible text that pricked my soul first. That's always Mm -hmm. the check. Does this really make me, is it really like, am I really owning my own stuff when I'm writing, writing my books? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, that's how it answered. It's really for the church. Don't know if a non-Christian would find it particularly helpful. Maybe they would excite them about the Bible, but it's really w- written for a person who wants to go even deeper in their faith, knows that maybe there's a little bit more, maybe they're holding back something from the Lord and would like to you to, to, to go, you know, open up the scriptures and not make their devotional life just kind of this thing that I do, but a real invitation to, again, to go on to perfection, to, to go on to sanctification, to be transformed in love. Mm-hmm. So I, I've got kind of a two-part mm-hmm. question here that I don't know if they're related or not, so we'll just take it for what it is. But uh, uh, first, um, on, in part two, you use um, idolatry as a lens, yeah. I guess you would. Yes. Uh, of so, why idolatry? Of all the kind of things, the 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 sins or the the proclivity of sin in human nature, why the idolatry piece? And then on, uh, and then um, why the Shema? It seems like when you, uh, <laughs> what is it about the Shema? And and Jim and Alan are laughing. Let me t- let me tell you why I laugh because Brett Brett loves the Shema so much that I'm going to buy him a tattoo. <laughs> and it's quoted in ninety five percent of our episodes. Yes, I actually do. So I when when it. when 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 I came up on this chapter, I thought, I think this is what heaven looks like for Brett Maddox. Yes, <laughs> um, and, and they're right because I love ideas of teaching and passing along to faith, and mm. um, and I've even tried to memorize the first opening line of the Shema in Hebrew. Um, but um, but you know, so why the Shema? What is it about the Shema that makes it that is mm. a Almost looks like a, I don't want to say antidote to idolatry, or but why? What does the Shema have to say to the issue of idolatry that you bring up in part two? Yeah, it, I would say the Shema is an anti-idolatry text, and <laughs> in the and I, you know I made up that word idolatherapy yeah, uh, just it. for fun because I was trying to come up with a method, obviously, and we're in yeah. a therapeutic age, so everything's yeah. therapy. And I thought, you know what, the therapy I really need, I need to get all the idolatry out of my life, right? You know, and I even, you know, I joke in class, it's in the book, uh, hey, everybody, I'm a recovering polytheist, which is yeah. usually jarring. I do it on purpose because it's at mm-hmm. our own peril 
and this is true of everybody, and I'm not judging anybody listening to this now, but every single one of us is an idolater. That's and if you look at scripture, uh, that is the that's the that was the ultimate sin uh, for Israel. It's worshiping or serving anything other than the one true God who is mm-hmm. our King Jesus. You know, and um, again, I could talk for you guys. Are gonna have to interrupt me, probably. I mean, I could just talk. <clears> that's great. Long, just keep well, when you look at when you look yeah. at the kings, and you know, a king was judged by whether or not they got rid of the idols and the pagan worship and all that. So it's yeah. Yeah, in, in the in the in the temptation we have, and 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 this is where Christians done a good job in the Western world because we everybody's sort of either well either an atheist or a a, a monotheist basically. Right. You don't find, I mean if you, the Eastern religions coming in, you will meet people that worship other gods, but most of us didn't grow up like that, so we just assume that right. um, there's just one God. But but the problem is all the gods that other people worship still exists that we just don't name them as gods. So you can run through the things like if, you know, if you even just take like Hinduism or, or go back in the ancient Near East with, with Israel's neighbors, they were gods of, um, of the home. There were gods of the workplace, gods of marriage, gods of, of having kids, gods of fertility, basically everything was worshiped. Right. And the thing that I, that I think is really important is all of these things actually are real. Now we don't have to get into a conversation. Are they really gods? Well, here's the, but here's the whole thing. If you either serve it or you're afraid of it, it is your God. Absolutely. Uh, and, and 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 that's where the Shema comes in because it's uh, here, O Israel, the Lord is our God, and I prefer the translation, the Lord is my one and only. Mm-hmm. And I like that on purpose, and I, I get in that a little bit in the book, but that's uh, uh, or the Lord alone, which the NRSV gets is pretty good. So it's it's like it's simultaneously saying two things: um, the God is. My God, literally, mm-hmm. that's the God that I choose to worship. Mm-hmm. But implicit in that is that there's a choice. Mm-hmm. And that's where the idol therapy kind of comes in. Because like that one and only, there's a text in the song of uh, songs that has the exact same word that gets translated alone or the Lord is one. It's that one word. It shows up right. and it's and in the Song of Songs, that's a book about a guy that he says there's all kinds of women. Right. But right. you're my one and only. Yeah. And that's what we kind of forget sometimes that when we're choosing King Jesus, we're actually supposed to be saying no yeah. to and not giving our allegiance allegiance yeah. to any other person, ideology being. Right. And mm-hmm. in our world today, I mean, we're torn by you know, just politics, different kind of ideologies, um, all those things. Those all would have been the gods in the ancient world. And so, idolatry is kind of my joke word, but it's mm-hmm. dead serious. Mm-hmm. It's to get us to open ourselves up to Scripture and realize that when we think, oh, yeah, I love God. Well, you, you probably do. And the opposite of loving God isn't hating God. It's sort of an indifference where you then have multiple other things that you love as well. Um mm-hmm. You know, um, what's his name? Smith has that book. Um, you are, uh, I think you are what you, you, are love. What you love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that book. That book was an influence for this one as well. And mm-hmm. so it's, a, it's a, this book, Idolatry Therapy is an, ex, is an opportunity for us <clears throat> to explore the other things that we really love and ask ourselves, what would it look like to de-elevate those mm-hmm. things and put them under the Lordship of God? And that's, again, that's why the Shema is so helpful because it gives mm-hmm. us that preeminent frame 
And then obviously the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, right. explores right. the horizontal dimension of everything. Right. Yeah, I um I always liked um Paul Tillich's uh, definition of God or God's that which you give your ultimate concern, which has your ultimate concern, because it makes it very broad. It it allows for for us to recognize that we can give our allegiances to a myriad of things, but Christ is calling us to an allegiance to him. Um, So... You also talk about Scripture working. Uh, one line here is kind of at the very beginning of the book. You um, Let me see real quick here. I, I just had, oh, yeah. Um, scripture works in our lives. I, um, you, you talk about, um, uh, let me go back to this. Um, the goal is to describe how Scripture works in our lives and to begin to explore why we may struggle reading it for deep spiritual formation. Um, I, I would imagine that for some of our listeners and some people, Scripture is uh, is something we do. We read it for information, right? We read it yes. to learn, you know, what Jesus did. We read it to learn the names of the kings of Israel. We read it to learn, you know, to memorize. And memorizing is is fine, but it's just something you you do. I, I wonder how. I, I don't think. I wonder if the idea of Scripture doing something, working within us, is kind of a lost thing these days. So would you speak to that? Like when you talk about Scripture working, and I know you've already kind of hit on this some, uh, what, what, are you, what are you getting at when you talk about Scripture working? Yeah, it's in, in the, the words that you can play around with here would be the difference between information and transformation. And you kind of, you know, hit on it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with like knowing the names of the Bible, knowing the mm-hmm. content, memorizing a bunch of Scripture, but what would is what would it look like then for you know just to take one scripture and let it actually change us? And that's mm. kind of what I was getting at. So what I would say, I mean, I think an easy way to think about this, and, and I've talked about this some other places. I like to use the word map, and I don't say this exactly in the astonished book. This is one of my other ones. But like when I think of it, what a text wants to do, I think of head, heart, hands. And so, obviously, the understanding part is really going to be the insight that I can get out of the text. Um, But in a sense, if we do Lectio Divina, which I do part of this in the class, Mm -hmm. I would call that the breathing in part of the text. And Mm -hmm. so, it's like I take in what the text is. Maybe I'm pondering my other parts of the Bible that maybe say something about it. Maybe I'm thinking about my theology. But at some point, I got to breathe that back out. And that's going to breathe out in two ways. It's going to breathe out first in how does this text um, call me to love God? How, and then secondly, how does this text call to me love others? But okay, mm-hmm. uh, in the breathe out part, and this is what I mean when the text is going to work in us, the text doesn't just want to teach us interesting things about the Bible or even beautiful things about God or about you know uh, any part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or about whatever. What the scripture really wants to do is it wants to change what we care about. I learned this years ago from um, Erwin McManus because he said too many churches and preachers focus on information and how to think differently. And that's part of it, right? We can, mm-hmm. we, we want to challenge people's thinking, but you know, you know, you guys are, we're all pastors. We've been reading the Bible. It's like just having somebody go like this. Yeah. That's a good insight. Right. That doesn't change a life. It's just a good insight, right? Right. right. Just, oh, you, know, you, you showed me something interesting about the Bible. Well, that's fantastic. But now, 
what we need to push a little deeper is like, how does this text want to change what I care about? When you capture somebody's heart, what they care about, what their allegiance is to, that's kind of the vehicle for transformation, which then leads to our hands and our feet and our mouths. What does this text actually want to do through us? And so mm-hmm. that's what I mean by letting the text work in us. It's back to the, my old saying again from not from Irwin's brother Alex: the gospel comes to us on its way to someone else. Mm-hmm. So the text has to come in, but it wants to go out. And so the text isn't done until we've breathed it back mm-hmm. out. Which ultimately, I mean, the shorthand in this book is breathing that back out in love. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I also note um, you you really give a and you mentioned it here. Uh, really a good reminder that the Holy Spirit is um, illuminating and working in the text. Uh, yes. I think, were you talking about Karl Barth a time or two? In particular, particular understanding that he had is that, um, and I'm going to get the theology and nuances wrong, but it essentially in the act of reading the Spirit makes it become the Word of God. Yeah, and Bart used to uh, get some more conservative folks upset when he would say the Bible um, isn't the Word of God, it becomes the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not a Bart expert, but at some level, I think what all he was really saying is, I mean, actually, I do have a Bible, if if you're (laughs) on a video anyway, but if you pick your Bible up, I mean, is the Scriptures authoritative? Yes, but guess what? If it just stays in your hand, you know, Bard's point was it's when we read it and the spirit comes in and does something through it that it really becomes the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's just understanding that it's not just a static thing to be worshipped. It's a book to be read, a book to open our lives to, a book, a book to invite God again the to let the scripture actually read us and not just read it as an object. It becomes mm-hmm. a subject in our lives, not just the object. Mm-hmm. That is so it's just such a good word. I love it. And I think it's a good word today, especially, I, Brian, I don't know if you've been keeping up with recent um, uh, things on Firebrand, uh, articles on um, inerrancy, infallibility, authority, uh, some really good discussions, honestly, in the Wesleyan yes. world on these things, some really, really good discussions on this. Um, and so, uh, what, what do you make of some of the recent kind of discussions on scriptural authority? I know you kind of deal with this a little bit in the book, um, but uh, like, where, where do you see this discussion, at least in our, our Wesleyan tradition, uh, going these days? Yeah, and I, I probably remember it was David Watson, and it's actually, right. I should remember yep. the other person's name. Tom McCall. My, yeah, Tom McCall. It's like, he's my new colleague, but I haven't met him in person yeah. yet. So, uh, yeah, but he's, yeah, my, my you know, I, I actually liked both um, um, yeah. article. Actually, it was four articles. I it think it ended articles, up being, they were yeah. going back and forth. To me, at some level, it was a classic discussion between a biblical scholar and a theologian. So, at some level, I really felt like they both were talking past each other, (laughs) and though I wouldn't accuse anybody of doing that one way or the other, but I would just say that. And then, but the other thing would be, you know, that whole nuanced conversation kind of makes the point of why I wrote the book, because that's all, and again, we're not putting any of this down, that ends up, that's, it's very intellectual and important just from a scholarly perspective, but, you know, for our own churches, you know, maybe as pastors, we need to be able to understand these nuances and be able to ex- explore some of the stuff. But at the, but what ultimately needs to happen is whatever we actually think the Bible is, 
um, we have to find a way to open our lives up to it at, a, at a, an even deeper level. So I would say at some level, my book might just sit alongside and again, maybe it doesn't even belong with what David Watson or Tom McCall does because those are uh, you know, super, super smart guys that really get into the weeds on stuff. But I was trying to write a book to, to focus on what the Bible does, not wow. what the Bible is. That's good. Yeah. And it, with no, with all due respect, because it's not, I mean, I've thought those were great articles. I love Firebrand. I, I actually yeah. look, read, that's one of the few things I actually read every single week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was just this yearbook and their articles are two, uh, are just hitting two different uh, sort of markets, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it was, it's been a, it's been a great discussion to, to, yes. to, I think it, it is yeah, it, it is just as important as you're talking about what the Bible is because that's getting a lot of discussion um, to really think about what it does. Yeah. Um, because if you don't think about what it does, you could very easily turn it into the object instead of the subject to use your words. Right. Yeah. In the in the trick that they were both, yeah, and it gets down to like what's the center of authority, and this is where the Bible scholar me comes back in. So ultimately, it's like I I I kind of preferred what David Watson was doing, but I always kept thinking, oh, that's easy because I'm a Bible professor. I understand what he's talking about. If I was a theologian, I'd probably like McCall, and mm-hmm. if I wasn't either, I'd probably like both of them. So I will just <laughs> kind of frame, frame it out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, frame it out. But it is interesting when you think about the locus of authority because you know, and I will admit. Part of what I wouldn't want my book to do is just to make, and I suppose one could criticize my book at some level, is that it isn't just an individual reading the text, and then the text could mean just about anything, because that's where we end up getting in trouble a lot of yeah. times. Yeah. So I think the key thing, and this this came out really in both of the on all the articles, is it does involve reading scripture involves a community that we're part of that yeah. believes certain things to be true. So we have, can we have authentically Christian reading? So we do need to name mm-hmm. that. And so I, I would, you know, my book alongside those things, uh, those other two articles, I think it fits together. And it is important to make sure that when you think about being astonished by the word, when I was sitting in my bedroom, you know, I was already a, a member of a church. So I had a church community. And so when I had my conversion experience, really fun reading scripture, I was in a local church. So I had a community that helped me understand how to read. Mm-hmm. I had men and women who were modeling what the Christian life looks like. Mm-hmm. And so that's not really part of my book, but that would be an important to frame it out that way. This isn't just here, give somebody a Bible, mm-hmm. have them pray, Lord, astonish me anew. I think God will astonish them, but ultimately this has to draw us back into deep community because authoritative readings come out of, and this is, again, this is what McCall and Watson were kind of going back and forth on out of out of some community, out of theological oh, boundaries yeah. and those sort of things. And that's where Again, we're going to have endless conversations, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, I felt like kind of being in the middle of that as a pastor, kind of a lay theologian, or not lay, but as a practical, you know, here on the ground. And uh, and like, uh, I think it was Delmar from uh, Where, uh, oh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? When he says, well, I'm with you fellas. Like, it's just, I'm, I, like, like. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> you both, you both I are great. That. <laughs> I love that. Um, oh. All right, so we we got a few more minutes here, so I want to get a little bit into the the mind of the personal mind of Brian Russell here. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. Um, what's your favorite 
Bible passage, story, or verse, or maybe even um, besides the goats and the milk. Um, yeah, besides yeah, that's the goats a good one. That's yeah, my yeah. new favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, or maybe if you want to answer this a different way, where is God's voice the clearest right now in your reading of Scripture, and why do yeah. you think that is? Yeah, I'll, I'll guess I'll give you two answers. Uh, in all, in, in all honesty, my favorite part of the Bible for most of my life now has been the book of Philippians. Absolutely love it. Oh, Philippians 2. And, and, yeah. And well, I would actually say, yeah, Philippians three, three for me, but the whole yep. thing. And yeah. I, you know, and, and I do, I have the one verse in the book at the end, mm. but um, I love the whole story of Paul's conversion where he shares about himself in yeah. chapter three. Yeah. I mean, my life verse at forever, almost from the beginning I became a Christian was I press on towards the goal to win the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus, which is 314. And I've always liked that pressing on image. And then in 317, Paul basically says, um, uh, brothers and sisters, imitate me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes, you go back to chapter two, you have to Christ him. You have, then he talks about Epaphroditus and Timothy. So he's, he's, he's like saying, Hey, if you want to see what Jesus looks like, you know, focus on how Jesus didn't consider his equality with God something to be exploited. But now let me tell you about some flesh and blood people that you've met who live exactly like that. And then he says, That's Timothy and Epaphroditus in middle, late, late chapter two. But then he gets to himself mm-hmm. and he's literally in 317 basically saying, Hey, you want to see what a Christian looks like? Model your life precisely like I live and like Timothy and Epaphroditus live if you want to be like Jesus. And and that just convicts me to no end because I always think like, what kind of person would I have to be to legit with full integrity say, live exactly like I do if you want to see what Jesus. So, I've always loved Philippians. Now, I was just reading this to my, my daughters yesterday. The passage that I can't get away from lately is again, it's, it's New Testament, it's Colossians 3, and I call this the, you know, the sermon you'd love to see. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll read a couple. I, I just think it's the most beautiful yeah, text yeah, in the New yeah. Testament here. But in this, this really, and, 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 and what I'd say, go back to what, when we talked earlier, it's like, I want to integrate every little piece of this. Mm-hmm. But this is where, where Paul basically says, um, I'm going to read 12 to 17 of chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I can read that passage every day, and I just want any one word in there. I want to get that all the way inside of me. Mm-hmm. And this is this is this a, a passage like that. By the way, is a beautiful place to kind of start if you're wanting to do kind of like the lectio divina, because you could just focus on one word, right? Compassion, yeah. just. Yeah. Over and over, compassion, compassion, compassion. So, um, speaking of starting, one last question I, I would like to ask uh, is: um, 
let's just say I just became a Christian in the last year or so, and my pastor is, he, you know, been doing a sermon series on this fine book called Astonished by the Word. And he's talking about spiritual practices and the need for reading Scripture and getting into it. I, I don't know where to start, though. I really don't know, mm-hmm. other than just kind of what I've been reading in small group and what I've the pastors have been preaching on. I just don't know where to start. So where would someone start reading Scripture for, for, for transformation, for deep transformation? Yeah, um, I would. I'll say two things. If you're going to start in the Old Testament, I would say start with the Psalms because those are prayers, and yeah. you can literally just make a habit of reading a Psalm a day. Yeah. Except for when you get to 119, and that may take a little while because it's really long. <laughs> but basically, I would say read a Psalm every single day, and just ask like, what what would it look like to pray this Psalm? That right yeah. there is a transformational yeah. practice. And then, as far as the New Testament goes. It kind of depends on your personality. Like if you like stories, I mean, you should just jump right in and read one of the Gospels. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd recommend, I would say Matthew or um, Matthew, Luke or John. I'm only skipping Mark because it's the shortest, but just Mm -hmm. pick one of the Gospels and read it to learn about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to start with, if you like more ideas, and again, you need all of these things. Uh, you know, I think First John and James are great places to start reading scripture. They're mm-hmm. almost they're pretty clear what they're saying, so you don't need to know a bunch of technical words and stuff to understand mm-hmm. them. And you get and they they come through clean again. There's all mm-hmm. all parts of the Bible have some things that are complicated, but those are great books to start in. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then why not read even Philippians if you wanted to? Yeah, I think yeah. too, but uh, but I would say that's so a gospel. One Psalm a day, and if you want to read one of the epistles like First John or uh, or James, great places to start That's for great. folks. And, and really, the big deal would be to do it right. Just do oh, it. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and even if you stumble, even if you don't know what something is, you just read through it. Because if we believe, as we do, that the Holy Spirit is moving in this act, is active, right? And I, uh, then, even if you don't necessarily understand what you're reading, there is an act action taking place upon the reader here. Um, so um, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. This is why you're our favorite. This is why we have you on all the time. This is this well, thank right you. here. This is this is golden. This is platinum. This is titanium. I don't even know what the uh, this is. Yeah. This is fantastic. So um, thank you so much. Astonished by the word, uh, reading scripture for deep transformation. It's new now on bookshelves. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it wherever you buy your books. Um, is there? Are you going to do uh, an audio version of this at all? That's always up to the publisher. I mean, yeah. I would love to do that. So, yeah. um, uh, but, well, you know, Alan, like, Alan's yeah. our resident Audible guy, and so um, he he he'll get, lend his voice to you if you need. I if mean, you need that to happen, you know. Uh, <laughs> except you only do that if you want, like every three pages, for him to randomly insert. Go dogs. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but anyway, uh, buy, buy this book, y'all. Uh, buy lots of them and hand them out to uh, friends and family, pastors out there. Buy these and and put them on your uh, um, and 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 have them available for your congregation. Um, this is a great, great book um, and um, has been a good read. Um, I remember I read um, you know one of the most transformational books for me in seminary. Uh, this would have been you know fifty. Almost, I guess, gosh, almost 20 years ago now, um, was uh, Robert Mulholland's book, Shaped by the Word. And there's so much of that. Like, I, you, you're, his fingerprints 
um, in many ways because he kind of set the foundation for this kind of thinking in the Wesleyan world. Um, so you're really carrying on, if not in, explicitly, or you know, you, you're you're doing this. You're carrying on a legacy here that I think is most important. I would say. Um, yeah. So. Well, thank you. That's a real compliment. In fact, uh, you know, he the the class he used to teach it was called Scripture and Spiritual Formation. I had the privilege of teaching it a couple of times, and I mean, obviously used his book. I used the Merton book, and so I never actually had him. For, I knew him. He was the the provost when I was a student, and he mm-hmm. hired me. But and I've read his book, um, so he has an influence. So that's a real compliment. What you yeah. just said, because I did try to carry on, and I would say it's even at some level, it's Asbury at our best has always had. Not uh, not just academics, but a deep uh, formation, and so you know I'm just yes. grateful to I've learned. I mean, all I had great, all my I had wonderful professors, and some of them are still uh, still teaching. I give a shout out to John Oswalt too, David yeah, Bauer, yeah. Robert Mahon, yeah. David Thompson, yeah. all these folks. In Lawson Stone, I quote him a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. They were my teachers, and uh, I hope they would be happy with the book. Yeah, awesome. I bet they are. Well, I'll tell you, it's a it's a a read that's wonderful. It's helpful. Um, it's easy and that you can read it and enjoy it and challenging in that it'll stop and make you think and want to put it down and go pick up your Bible. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope Pat, I hope you've got that. I know we've got a bunch of people over here at First Methodist picked up the book. Um, and so I hope that you'll read. And Brian, I just got to keep thanking you for helping people just take a next step closer to the Lord, take a next step in being formed in His image. Um, and everything that you're bringing to the table, I just want you to keep bringing to the table as the Lord calls you, because mm-hmm. we need this kind of beautiful, real, and intelligent work. I That's know. my word. Thank you. With God's Brian, help, I, I certainly will. Thank Brian, you. where can people find you on the interwebs? I mean, not like really. We don't need coordinates. <laughs> just on the internet. Well, we can all watch walk watch him uh, walk his uh, neighborhood. So yeah, that's yeah, true. that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I think the easiest place is I did I did after I did the centering prayer book. I I got a, a new website. It's Brian Russell PhD dot com. Okay. Uh, two S's, two L's, and Brian mm-hmm. or um, in Russell, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go there, you can find links to my Twitter, Instagram, and a YouTube channel. The YouTube channel has, I think it's over 600 videos now that has collections mm-hmm. of both my Bible stuff, the some yeah. of the actually videos I even use at Asbury along with mm-hmm. extra stuff and all my contemplative stuff. But if you just go to that website, you can uh, get in touch with me uh, or you can just find links to all my um, yeah. On my books, and also say if uh, if you do end up having groups that use the book, especially those who are listening to Podakesis, you have like ten people using the book, and if it works out, send me an email. And I did this for center. It's true for the Centering Prayer Book too. Happy to drop in on Zoom for one of your sessions. Oh wow! If it works, you know, if it's my, if I get a thousand people, that's not, it's going to be tricky, but it's not going to happen. So <laughs> yeah. if I can make it work with my, if I if I make it work with my schedule, I'd be it'd be a real honor to just drop yeah. in if anybody has questions, and I and I just do that, uh, and I that's and I awesome. hold, and people take me up on it sometimes. And I, I'm awesome. dead serious about that. That's oh, awesome. I love it. Well, what a great episode. Uh, we will be uh, back next time to continue our conversation about Scripture um, and Revelation, um, the revelation of God in, as told in the Faith Once Delivered document. Uh, but until then, uh, Brian, you've been a breath of fresh air. Thank you again for coming on with us and being um, our number one, like our longest time guest. And uh, and so uh, that's awesome. Um, it, uh, 
The Podakesis Podcast, as a reminder, is a proud member of the Spirit and Truth Podcasting Network. Spirit and Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in the truth, and mobilized for mission. For more information and resources, visit spiritandtruth.life. You can also find us um, um, anywhere on the social media platforms at Podakesis is where you can find us. You can leave us a voicemail, 404-635-6679. And always remember to leave that five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes. Um, Until next time, Brian, thank you once again. Guys, it was good to see you, and uh, we will talk to you all later. God bless. God bless.